And turn with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. I knew it was here somewhere. We're in the Gospel of Mark. Mark's theme is about the Lord Jesus, the suffering servant. This morning we want to talk about the call of the servant. We've looked at thus far in our study of this gospel, the baptism of the servant, the temptation of the servant, the message of the servant. And now we come to verse 16 and we see the call of the servant. And I want us to imagine the scene, if you will, as the morning would break the night yielded today and the sky would turn from black to blue and the first rays of sunshine would reveal some hard-working men busy engaged in their occupation uh, these men were used to used to seeing the sun rise over the sea of galilee uh, they were fishermen and their job required them to fish during the cool of the night when the fish were feeding and after a long night of fishing, all that was left was to clean the catch, to mend the nets, sell the fish to those who sold them in the markets. And I suppose being a fisherman at that time was a hard life. We're not talking about recreational fishing, as we do here sometimes in our, in our many lakes of uh, Washburn County. Uh, but uh, this was their living uh, they were making their, their living through this, this life. And that had to be that which put bread on their tables and a roof over their heads. And it was no doubt a hard life. And yet it was an important life. All the people in Israel and all other places, uh, they depended upon the catch these men would bring back to the shore. Uh, some of their catch might have been salted down or transported all the way to Rome. I don't know. Uh, it's possible, but possible that even Caesar himself might have eaten some of the fish that these very men caught in the Sea of Galilee. But as they're finishing their work for the night, they are about ready to go home and rest their weary bodies. There's a man that they know passes by on the shore. He spoke just a few words to them, but what they heard they would never forget and it would change the course of their lives. Now that may well have been the scene when Jesus passed by the boats where Peter and Andrew and James and John were working. And we'll find here his call to these four men. And again, it will forever change their lives. And the change in their life would bring about a change in many other people's lives as well. And the public ministry of the Lord Jesus is just kind of beginning one of the first acts was to choose some men to assist him in his work. He was calling ordinary men to do an extraordinary work for God. And you know what? He's still doing that today. He's still calling today. He's calling people to come for salvation. Uh, he's calling them to come for service. But he's calling. And I wonder if the Lord has called you or is calling you today. Our text reveals something about this matter of the Lord's call. 
The passage reveals several characteristics in these verses, I think, concern the, concerning the call of the Lord. And I want to examine those characteristics today. If the Lord is speaking to your heart and you need to recognize his voice in that sense, as we look at these characteristics, I want to ask you again one question. Is Jesus calling you? Here we have the call of the servant, and he may be speaking to your heart about salvation or about service or about some area in your life where you need to respond. God has a word for each one of us concerning his plan for our lives. So I want you to notice these characteristics of his call. Notice, first of all, his call is personal. His call is personal. Uh, This is seen in the fact that as he walked up to these boats, called these four men, he called them specifically. I'm sure there were other boats that were anchored on the Sea of Galilee that morning. But he called these four specific men in these two specific boats, and he called them personally. And so it is with us. The call is not just a general call to people, but it's called to us as individuals. It's an intensely personal matter. He calls us and he deals with us, and he does so one-on-one. Now I want you to notice that when Jesus called them, he found them working. Peter and Andrew were casting their net. Uh, James and Uh, John and James were mending their nets. And it seems that his call to them fit perfectly their personalities. For instance, when these men realized that Jesus was calling them to an even greater work, Peter and Andrew were those who were always casting the gospel net. You find that characteristic in their lives. And Jesus called them while they were casting their net. Peter and Andrew were either preaching fiery sermons or they were bringing people to Jesus. They were casting that net. They were busy in evangelistic witness. On the other hand, it seems that James and John were spending time mending the gospel net, so to speak, ensuring that the fish did not swim away. Their main emphasis seemed to be a progression and a growth uh, uh, that we see even in a local church. The same word that's translated mending is used in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, where it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, there is, uh, it is, it's translated here, perfecting. The same word is used in Mending. And sometimes a church needs some mending. And so these two men were busy with the mending. And there is a a call to be busy with edification. Now both of these ministries are desperately needed. The point is the Lord designed and he gifted us each individually for a specific purpose. And I... Uh, see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you, you go and study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and as Paul would write to the local church of Corinth, you find that there are gifts that God gave to
to various members of that church. Now, has God given to our Baptist church all the gifts that are given in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? No, but he will take us with our strengths and our weaknesses, and he will use us to do his work. Not all of us have the same giftedness. But God has a place for each one of us to labor. The question is, are you doing what God has equipped you to do? Are you doing what the Lord has equipped you to do and where he has called you to do it? Or are you trying to serve somewhere else where you shouldn't be? Now, don't miss this, but the Jesus was calling these men who were busy into his service. He was not looking for lazy people. He's not looking for lazy men to carry out his work. Far too many want the Lord to use them, and then they sit and wait for him to come by. They're twiddling their, th- their thumbs, so to speak, and, and just waiting but they're not doing anything. He's already placed us in the family of God. And if you look around, you'll see there's plenty of work to do. He loves you. And he wants to show you what you can do and where you can do it. And so his call is personal. If you want to the Lord to use you, the, be busy where you are. And when you're faithful where God has placed you, he will eventually open up even a larger a larger arena of surface. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And so we find here in verse 16, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little further, thence he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. You see, these men were busy. And God called them. Now, the event describes the second encounter these men had had with Jesus. The first time they met him was back in John uh, chapter 1, where they were called to follow him in salvation. Here they're being really called into service. But regardless of what this life leads you into, the most important thing in the world is first and foremost, the most important thing you can have is a meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ And come to know him as your personal savior. But then he's going to call you into his service. Regardless of what this life leads you to. You need to meet him first in salvation. You see, getting saved is not the end of the story. After the Lord saves us, he wants us to grow in our Christian life. And to be used of him, we're to become his disciples. Matthew 16 and verse 24 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Uh, We're familiar with the verses in Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 9 
that speak about salvation is a, uh, uh, for by grace are ye saved through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of yourself, lest any man should boast. Not of works. But he does say in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. After we get saved, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Regardless of the type of call that comes in your life, whether it's for salvation or sanctification or for service or separation or surrender, the call needs to be listened to and never ignored. So his, his call is personal. Secondly, his call is private. When Jesus passed by that day, the real call was felt in the hearts of these four men who left all to follow him. No doubt their hearts were touched and they felt strange, uh, maybe uh, in a sense, a power drawing them to Jesus, something that drew them to him. I want you to notice as we read there that neither Zebedee nor the servants nor any of the other fishermen received that call. And so it is with any call from God. No man knows what is happening in a person's heart until they make that fact of what God is doing public. So his call is personal, it's private. It's between the Lord and the person with whom he's dealing. Evidently, the Lord had been dealing with the hearts of these men since they had first met him. And that explains why they reacted instantly when he called them to follow him. I wonder, what is the Lord saying to your heart today? I mean, are you even listening to what the Lord might be saying? Is he calling someone here to salvation? Is he calling someone here to some kind of Christian service? Is he calling you to leave all, so to speak, as these men did, and follow him? Is he speaking to your heart? Again, do not ignore him, but come to him and trust him. Now, his call was personal. It was private, but it was also public. His call is public. The Lord does his private work. But you know, he gets no glory until his work is worked out. His will is worked out in publicly. These men were called to make a public stand for Jesus. They were called upon to publicly line up, so to speak, with, with him, his preaching and his program. Through the years, there have been a few servants of the Lord who tried to keep their love for him quiet. I think back in uh, about Joseph and Nicodemus, uh, they, uh, they attempted at a private service, but it didn't last long. You know, God did not save us and call us so that we could hide away and pretend that we're just like everybody else, kind of blend in. His call demands that we take a stand for him, and regardless of what others may say about us. You know, you've heard of the FBI? That's not the Flaming Bureau of Investigation. That's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We used to call it the Flaming Bureau. Uh, but uh, uh, the FBI, you've heard of the CIA? Uh, too many members of are members of the CSS. You ever heard of that? That's the Christian Secret Service. They're serving the Lord secretly. Don't want anybody else to know it. Oh yeah, I'm saved, but I'm not going to tell anybody. We live in a people, 
or live in a world filled with people who are headed to hell. They're trapped in darkness. They're lost. They need help. And one of the best ways we can reach them is to live our lives openly and honestly for the glory of God. We're called to be salt and light in the world. Our duty is to live clean and holy and public lives for the glory of God. And if the Lord has saved you, you've never made that fact known publicly. You need to do that, even today. If you've never followed him in believer's baptism, you need to make that step. If the Lord has called you to be on the job for him, the time... Uh, To hide your light under a bushel is over. The time to go to work for the Lord is now. His call is personal, it's private, it's public, but then it's precious. His call is precious. Now you say, well, these, these men, they weren't anything special. Just common, ordinary fishermen. They were not highly educated Uh, They were not especially wealthy. They were not among the movers and shakers of the society. Nothing set them apart from the thousands of others who lived around the Sea of Galilee. And yet the Lord chose these men and they called them to be the first of his followers. What a privilege they enjoyed. A study of the ways by which God called some of his servants for the work he had for them would be a profitable exercise of the soul. Just look at a few of them. Notice there was Abraham. We're told the glory, a God of glory appeared unto him and definite call was, was given him with the promise of his own blessing and through him to all the families of the earth. Uh, There was Moses. In Exodus 3 and 4, probably this is very instructive, for God had to overcome the reluctance of the one he called. Maybe you've been kind of like Moses. Reluctant to answer the call that God has upon your life. You know, Moses had many objections to offer, uh, and yet every one of the objections he had was met with a definite promise. And until Moses was convinced that God knew what he was doing in calling him. But Moses was called. I think of Joshua. Joshua was given a commission with a promise. He was to take the leadership of the children of Israel. Take him into the promised land. And uh, that was granted him. uh, uh, He was granted a vision of the one who had commissioned him. I think of. Gideon. Gideon was a humble man, hailed by God as a mighty man of valor, sent forth to deliver Israel with words ringing in his ears, Go in this thy might, have have not I sent thee? Not until the Lord had brought about two miracles on his behalf was this man convinced of his call and commission. But God called him, and he responded, I think of Elisha, prosperous, energetic young man, suddenly called by God from the midst of a busy life. Again, notice, Elisha was busy when God called him. He was called to leave all his rosy prospects of worldly success for a comparative uh, obscurity of menial service for Elijah. 
the prophet of the Lord. And for years he was unheard of until the time when his master was translated. And these years of faithful service in secret were rewarded openly and his name became a household word in Israel. That was Elisha. Then there was David. Remember when David was called? He was just a boy, a shepherd boy. He was chosen over all his older and larger brothers. You read 1 Samuel 16, you find there that uh, David was God's choice. Everybody else thought, no, it must be uh, one of the, the other uh, boys that uh, uh, was there. And I don't know how God spoke to Samuel as Jesse's boys passed before him, but no doubt Samuel thought one of the older boys was surely God's choice. But that was not the case. It was David. I think of Isaiah, a moving description of the great prophet's vision. The call and commission was stirred the hearts of people of God for two and a half millenniums and led many just like him to say in response to the call of God, Here am I, send me. And then Peter, a man naturally impulsive, again energetic, was brought by Andrew to the Savior. And I think that evidenced the value of a personal witness that Andrew had. A miracle, the miraculous haul of fish, served to provide the circumstance under which Peter's call and commission came. Now, lest you think you could not be used, you could not be numbered among these who we consider great men of God. Lest you think this is a great list, allow me to add one more. One more that was chosen of God and used in a mighty way. It was a small boy with a lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. And it fed multitudes of people. You say, well, that boy didn't do anything great. No, but the Lord Jesus did. And he took what the boy had And he used it for his glory. And God will take what you have. And he'll use it for his glory as well. And while the circumstances of the call is different in each of these cases, God is a God of infinite variety. Yet the purpose and the results are the same. The glory of God. The blessing of the one called and the benefit of those to whom he has sent with the message. And each one of his people had an experience that was really distinctly their own. And from that he emerged with a conscious conscious assurance of God's call to him. The Lord chooses those whom no one else probably would choose. And so he might get the greatest glory. The very fact that the person gets saved and then is allowed to serve the Lord. That's a privilege and a blessing beyond comparison. After all, we deserve to be in hell. The only reason we have hope is because of God's wonderful grace. And to think that he would save sinners and then use them to carry out his work is a truth that is precious beyond belief. He takes us like we are, saves us by his grace. He puts us into his service. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's what the Lord does. You no doubt have heard 
that statement, one man's trash is another man's treasure? We often talk about that when we see someone having a garage sale or an auction. But you know, God's treasure is my trash. Never take your salvation for granted. What he did when he called you, saved you, is a thing more precious than the mind can comprehend. If the Lord is calling you to come to Jesus this morning for salvation, do not ignore his call. If he's calling you into a deeper level of service, do not hesitate, but go full out for Jesus. His call is precious. And I'm so thankful for his call upon my life. It's precious to me. But then number five, we find here that his call is pricey. Oh, there's a nice word for you. You know, it starts with a P, right? So it fits right in. We know what that means for something to be pricey, don't we? These men were called to make some real expensive choices. They were called to leave their friends, their family, their fortune, basically the only life they'd ever known. They were expected to trade the certain for the uncertain, the visible for the invisible, the known for the unknown, the ability for their inability, and the possible for the impossible. These men knew fishing inside and out. But you know what? They were helpless when it came to doing what Jesus was calling them to do. These men were not trained preachers. Thank God for that. His call was a call that would cost them everything. In the end, all but one would die for this man who was calling them to follow him. And this call was a pricey call. It was an expensive call. For every one of them. And yet they determined that the price was far uh, worth, uh, more worth paying. The Bible says they forsook their, their nets. That word means they severed all their ties with their nets. They walked off and they left everything behind. Jesus was more wor- uh, worth more to them than anything they may have been walking away from. We're reminded in Mark chapter 8. Verse 36, it says, For what shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, when the call of Jesus comes in a person's life, we need to understand that often it will cost us plenty as far as this world is concerned. Of course, our salvation is free. His power to serve Uh, is given to us freely by His grace. But the cost of being saved and selflessly serving the Lord is often a high price to pay. And there will be people who will not understand why you are doing what you're doing. There will be those who will not understand it when you get saved. They will not understand the change in your life. They will not understand the desire to follow him. They will not understand the difference that Jesus makes in your life. They will not understand how you could give up everything to walk with him. It won't make sense to them. And as a result, many will turn their backs on you and have nothing further to do with you. And I think about... 
how many parents, friends, relatives have discouraged young people to answer the call. Oh, you can't make any money being a missionary. You can't make money being a preacher. You can't do very well by going to Bible college. You need to go to uh, some technical, high technical school or uh, some uh, university, uh, and you need to, to, to get all the knowledge and the degrees you can. I'm not against education. But if God is calling someone to do a work, we dare not discourage them from doing the Lord's work. He would have us come to a place where we value Him and He will more than, uh, and Him more than anything else in this world. It will not only be when Jesus becomes more precious to our hearts. But he'll be more precious than our family and our friends and our, our fortunes. And, and we'll be able to give him the service he deserves. Sometimes what we are called to do is nothing more than give up our nets. At other times we're called to walk out on things that are really precious to us. We have to come to the place where Jesus is more precious than anything else in this world. And anyone who tells you that serving the Lord is an easy road, that's a lie. There are going to be trials. There are going to be times of self-sacrifice. There are going to be problems. There will be enemies. And with all the difficulties that come up as we pass through this world, Jesus is worth it all. Again, if he's calling you to be saved, you need to answer that call. If he's calling you to serve him in some way, let me encourage you to answer that call. So his call is pricey, but his call is also powerful. When the Lord's call came, these men left their nets. And they left their profession without question. They did not call a committee meeting. They didn't have a debate. They didn't say, let's take a vote. Uh, they didn't inquire about a contract. They didn't say, well, how long are we going to have to do this? When Jesus called, these men left everything and followed him immediately. They stepped out of their ships. They stepped out away from their lives. They went to Jesus. They experienced a powerful change in their life. Their lives were never the same again. And when they left their nets and they left their ships and they left their incomes, they left their friends and their families, they took on a new lifestyle of doing just what Jesus was doing, and that was walking. When they started out after Jesus, they began walking in his direction. They began to walk his, to his destination. They began to walk at his speed and in his steps. And that's what serving the Lord is all about. It's walking away, and they will never be able to return to that old life. They tried, but they could not go back. It tells us in John 21. Jesus changed everything for them. Their lives were never the same. In fact, Peter, James, and John were martyred for Jesus. And John was boiled in oil, exiled to Patmos. 
And when the call of Jesus comes to a person's life, whether it's for salvation or service, it's a powerful call. It results in immediate action. When the Lord calls, he's not looking for a debate. He's looking for instant obedience. His call brings with it a powerful change that takes place in a person's life. This change is so great that a return to the old way is difficult to imagine. His call and our obedience to his call will result in our leaving our path to follow his path, to walk his direction, his destination, at his speed, in his steps. Now, there are those who have experienced the call of God to follow him, and still they chose to hang on to some of the things of this world. We read about some of those people but uh, uh, in the scriptures. But don't let that happen to you. If he's calling you, allow nothing to stand in your way of experiencing his life-changing power firsthand. And then we want to notice that his call is profound. His call is profound. All of these men knew was the life of a fisherman. (coughs) When Jesus called them to follow him, he made them a promise that was framed in the words they understood. Uh, He told them that they would still be fishing, but they're going to be fishing for men instead of fishing for fish. He told them, I will make you to become fishers of men. Instead of casting their nets into the Sea of Galilee, they would cast the gospel net into the Sea of Humanity. Instead of a literal net, they would use the Word of God. He promised to take them as they were and make them into what He wanted them to become. And that's just what He did. He changed each one of these men to be used in a powerful, profound way for the glory of God. And Jesus called them to become what they had never been or what they had ever intended to be. And so when Jesus calls in your life, (coughs) excuse me, you might think the Lord can't use you. Say, what can I do? I don't have much. You might be right. But he's able to work in your heart and make you what he wants you to become. No preacher knew how to preach when he was first called to preach. I didn't know much about preaching. When God called me to be a preacher, no one knows how to do what he wants them to do when they are first called to it, but the Holy Spirit will work in the heart of the child of God and will prepare them for the service that he has for them. Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 6 Isaiah was not ready for the task assigned to him, but God prepared him for that call. And the best thing you can do is to place the clay of your life into the hand of the heavenly potter. Place yourself at his disposal and watch out because he's going to use you. After all, the greatest ability is availability. God will use you if you take, make yourself available to him. You know, some of God's most choice servants were the most unlikely candidates. I think of Saul of Tarsus 
in Acts chapter 7 and 9 through 9. He was saved and he immediately made himself available to the Lord and the Lord used him in a mighty way. You think about Peter and Gideon and David, some of the men we've already mentioned. The Lord can use men like that for his glory than he can use people like us. And when Jesus came walking by those ships that day, these four men were not wasting their time. They were busy. They were casting their nets. They were mending their nets. And if you're going to fish, you've got to cast the net, or else you won't catch the fish. And your nets need to be mended. There are holes in your fish. You'll catch some fish, but they'll swim away. They were busy. They were not doing anything of eternal nature. In other words, they, were, they would have lived their lives, caught their fish, raised their families, died, and been forgotten if Jesus had not called them. And when they followed the Lord, their lives instantly possessed eternal value. And that's what he does to every life he touches. He takes us away from the mundane and the shallow and places in a position where we can be part of something that will last forever. And as I want to, as I close, I just want to ask a few questions here. In which world are you laying up your treasures? Uh, would you like to live a life of eternal significance? Or are you just going to live your life and then die and then be forgotten and your life be of no consequence? Is Jesus calling you this morning? Maybe there's someone here that needs to be saved. Maybe there's someone here that says, you know, I've not been serving the Lord very well. What will you do with his call? You know, God, God doesn't just call preachers. And missionaries. Although he may want someone here today to be a preacher or a missionary. But he calls each one of us as a child of God to serve him in some way. What are you doing to serve him? And I would encourage you to examine your life this morning. What am I doing to serve the Lord? Am I just kind of living day after day after day, doing what I want to do? Or am I doing what God wants me to do? Let's pray.